Welcome to the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. My name is Erin Melano Bailey. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Cognitive Behavior Institute, and my co-host, Dr. Kevin Caridad, CEO and owner of Cognitive Behavior Institute. This week on The Barrier Breakdown, we have with us two special guests, William Hartji and Anya Perea from Refresh Mental Health. Will leads the development efforts for Refresh with his background in corporate finance and M&A and serves as the liaison between practice owners and Refresh in facilitating successful practice acquisitions and outcomes. He is based in Jacksonville, Florida, which happens to be his hometown and the company headquarters, and in his spare time enjoys any activity involving running, biking, or swimming. Anya is a master's level clinician and business executive who has dedicated her career focus in both educational and clinical settings. She has served as a head of school for a private middle and high school, therapist, strategy and business consultant, and served on the leadership teams for clinical treatment programs. She is passionate about identifying clinical savvy experts and and developing them to operate at the highest level of their business capacity. Will and Anya, thank you so much for being uh, uh, with us this week on The Barrier Breakdown. We're very excited to have you both. Thank you for having us. Looking forward to being here. So thank you. So we'll go ahead and dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about how you both got into the mental health field as well as a little bit of uh, background on Refresh Mental Health? Yes, I'm happy to start. Well, I I was born, um, I'm one of six children. So I often think that being um, in that large of a family you, you get to see a lot of different clinical um, opportunities and, and issues. So I've, I've just loved um, working with young adults and, and adolescents for many, many years and, and to, to serve and, and to identify wellness and well-being for me is, is a really worthy life pursuit. So that kind of led me there. And how about you, Will? How did you get involved into, into mental health? Yeah, so I found myself in... in- to this industry, stumbled upon it. My background was um, and is in uh, behavioral and finance and, um, and studied behavioral economics um, and you know, worked in, in the investment banking space, um, covering healthcare companies and um, really happened chance met our founder and CEO, Steve Gold, just as he was starting Refresh Mental Health back in, uh, in the fall of 2017. Um, and, and took a chance um, and, you know, have, um, you know, since, you know, been in this space uh, from that time. And um, so not a clinician myself, but, a, you know, I'm surrounded by people like Anya who are, you know, clinical and, and have, you know, come from the industry. Um, and I think it also provides a, um, you know, a different perspective, you know, for this, for this industry. Absolutely. And what can you tell us about Refresh Mental Health? Sure. So I'll give a a quick background on how we came about. Um, So our founder, Steve Gold, had this this idea of bringing together these outpatient mental health practices and really had a proof of, brought, you know, had this proof of concept back in 
um, really back all the way back to 2014. Um, he's been in the field for, for over a decade and, um, and saw this need that there are these outpatient practices that are, you know, going about and, and, and doing their best to, um, you know, provide the best care, um, but also really battling with, you know, the commercial insurance companies on their own and trying to, um, you know, trying to get the best talent that they can. Um, and, and that's tough. And a lot of these folks, you know, got into the field as clinicians themselves, maybe a private practice, you know, they wake up a decade, decade later, and they have this large group practice, and they find themselves being a, um, you know, find themselves being a, an operator, and not seeing any, you know, clinicians anymore, whether that was their intent or not. Um, and so, you know, this, this proof of concept where, you know, brought these practices together, and under one roof, um, and, you know, that is something that he found not only to work, but also to resonate with these, with some of these practice owners. Absolutely. Um, so, so he started this with his own capital and, you know, fast forward to 2017, having um, some additional financial capital behind us to really take this off and do this, you know, across the, across the nation. Um, so I got involved uh, early on with, with the company and, and really on the development efforts, which to translate, that's really us having these conversations with these clinic owners to find out if this is a value to them. And for some, it won't be, but, but for others, you know, it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, it's kickstarts the conversation um, around, you know, what their you know, what their goals are and, you know, where, where they want to be and, um, you know, and, and where they want to be spending their time. Um, so we've thoughtfully, you know, grown now um, over, over the, the last kind of three and a half years um, and are now, now in about 28 states and um, over 2,000 clinicians practice, you know, in, in the outpatient mental health domain have psychiatry practices, we have you know, psychology practices, therapy practices, and, and everything in between. Um, so we're really fortunate. It's, it's something that is it re resonating in this industry, um, and, and we're really proud to be part of um, about this organization. So I'll just add that I had the good fortune of uh, meeting Steve Gold, our CEO, and, and our COO, Kristen Scheel, and, and Steve's father, uh, Dr. Mark Gold, many years ago. Uh, and just about 2014, worked with them in another organization where a lot of this, this groundwork that Will was talking about was laid for refreshed mental health. Just recognizing the thought leaders in the space and, and where we're headed. Um, in mental health as a nation, uh, just getting really excited and identifying ways to align and, and ways to improve access. Um, so, so that's a really nice opportunity. Um, when we're looking for, for practices, we are looking for, again, outpatient mental health. And I really appreciate the focus on outpatient. You see a lot of these groups gravitating towards, you know, prior to, to refresh, towards uh, more residential treatment facilities and, and things of that nature. But recognizing that the, the impact overall of outpatient mental health, the ability to drive outcomes to sustain well-being um, is really our focus and in, in, in our drive. So outpatient practices ranging from um, 10 to 50, I'm sure we've done more uh, or more providers is really what we're looking for um, in terms of, of a group that we, we are interested in partnering with. 
Um, and also the, the clinical modalities, we range from you know, trauma-based, CBT, TMS. Uh, we really value all of, all of the, the, the treatment modalities and, and recognize that what, what works for one might not work for all and, and to provide those uh, best practices, standard of care and provide um, a platform where our providers, our leaders uh, of these organizations that we're partnering with can come together, they communicate, they discuss best practices. It's an opportunity for all of the clients, be it in uh, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, Montana, wherever the location is, they are offered this, this greater opportunity and greater bag of tools uh, and, and skill sets to provide um, good therapy for. So it's a nice opportunity. Great. Can you speak to more of the practices you're referring to? Is this what, is it uh, kind of mixed commercial insurance? Is it with Medicare? Is it uh, Medicaid? What does that dynamic look like? Yeah, certainly. Right now, we, we focus on all areas. We do have a lot of, of, of practices that are private pay. We have uh, practices that are Medicaid, insurance based. As Will was mentioning early, we, earlier, we are really looking for that access to healthcare. And oftentimes, access to healthcare um, does have that financial kind of component to it. So folks are looking and seeking to use their insurance to pay for this treatment. That said, being a clinician myself, working in, in, in group practices and um, we recognize that a lot of providers get the short end of the stick when they're accessing um, insurance uh, because they're, the, the, reimbur the splits, the reimbursement rates, we can go on and on. Um, in addition to the, the, the split, the, the, just the headache of, of dealing with it, the administrative work, it's, it's not a, a, you know, necessarily natural or a, a favored preferred activity. Um, so we recognize that that can be a bit of a stop for a reason as to why a group might not decide to access healthcare and, and nor should they. If, if you're a really great provider, um, why should you, you know, get less of a rate in hourly? We, we recognize that. So we, we certainly, when um, the need serves the, the group, we, we look for that insurance opportunity. Um, we're able to do that because we are a larger group. We are, are able to work with insurance companies in a different different capacity. We have experts in that lane um, who are fantastic at that negotiating, at that billing, at that overhead. So if it works and if it makes sense for all, um, we, we certainly hope that that is something that we can offer. And then by virtue of that, gain more access to more clients and they can, they can use that. Um, but if it's a private pay situation and it works for that practice, it's, it's not a, it's not a one-stop. It's not a, a non-starter. Um, we are really looking to identify practices that have strong leaders, that have a foothold in the community, that have um, an understanding of their clients that want to grow um, either in, in additional locations, want to grow in additional treatment modalities, want to grow additional providers. And we partner with them. We really listen to each situation nuanced situation. There's not one, one size fits all. And we, we try to partner and meet with them where they are and then accelerate that growth and optimize uh, that growth, not only for the practice, but again, access to the clients and, and so on. I would just add to that, if you can hear me all right. Um, you know, I think oftentimes we get the question of, you know, what is our goal? Like, what is the, what's the end result? And there's a statistic out there. I, I don't have it off top of my head, but the number of, of mental health providers who are fee-for-service by necessity because in their markets, commercial insurance is not, you know, does not reimburse at a level that is sustainable. And, you know, when these practices are, 
you know, trying to go and network on their own, they don't have any bargaining chip to go to the, you know, the, the large commercial insurer in their market to, um, to, to get some parity. And, you know, when they're part of a larger organization, you know, we can, we can go out, you know, on behalf of them. And, and ultimately, like that would be, you know, to be able to get more clinicians to be able to see a much broader subset of the population, because now we can, you know, get favorable reimbursement for them. And they, it's now makes sense to, to um, you know, to go and network. Um, you know, that's a, that's a great outcome. And it's something that that won't happen overnight. That's something that we've got to build towards and every practice and every, you know, specialty that we bring on and specialist and we can, you know, say that, look, look at what we're, the, the patient population, how we're serving them that, and, and that demands a higher, you know, higher reimbursement, you know, that, that's the long game. Um, and I think if we can make a chip at that as an organization, um, you know, and that, that's what we're, that's what we're driving toward. Great. Can you tell us a little bit for practice owners, when is the right time to consider a sale? What should they be thinking about? Yeah, it's so the, the, there's not a perfect time necessarily, but to start thinking about it, you know, and, and to start planning for it, you know, oftentimes Anya and I um, and our team, we will have conversations with folks where they're not ready, you know, they're, maybe they're years out, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're even, even further than that, you know, but, and, and sometimes we had the conversation and they said, gosh, I wish I've had, you know, this is the phone call I've been waiting for. Um, you know, I've, uh, you know, I'm ready to go. And, um, and, and, you know, oftentimes that is, you know, predicated on, you know, life circumstances, you know, whether it's, you know, sometimes retirement is the goal and they're ready for that, or, you know, their, their life takes them in a different direction, or they have other passions that they're, you know, that they're, that they're looking, you know, to pursue. There could be an, a host of, of examples. We've heard a lot of, a lot of different, um, a lot of different examples. Um, but, you know, and so our goal is we don't necessarily say, hey, you know, the first conversation, if you're not ready to, you know, to sell, it's, 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 it's not the right time. So, you know, for us, um, you know, I think, the education part of it is is really important, and you know to get these practice owners, you know, thinking about it, and and maybe something that you know that we offer or that we say really resonates, and and because um, oftentimes these practice owners don't necessarily know that there's an option, um, you know, especially as they become you know larger group practices, and it becomes you know their their um, you know their kind of decision what to do next, where the next chapter is for their themselves or their practice um, is um, they're not quite sure about it. So having, you know, talking that out with the practice owners, we can oftentimes identify um, or help them, you know, plan out if, if a sale makes sense or not. Um, do you have anything else, Seth? 
Yes, I'll just add, we have such a variety in, in the groups that I've, in my time that we've brought on, the variety of leaders. And it's important to note that we're, when we talk about a sale, um, most often it's not a sale where that leader moves on and out. We're, we actually want a partner. We want them to be included as a leader in that process um, and continue that space. So we've had groups that are looking to expand their footprint. They want an additional um, lease, they, but they, you know, they're nervous about taking that step, being hooked onto that lease. They want support with um, hiring additional providers. They, they are looking to write a book. They want to develop a, a fellowship program. Um, and they, they're just maxed in time. They, they love the practice. They want to continue it, but they need that partnership in the overall operations and growth and would really like someone else taking kind of a bit of that risk with them. Um, and that, that's why they partner with us. So it's, it's when I say sale and I think about the sale, it, I envision kind of like this cutoff and, some, and the, the, the leaders leave. That's not what we're talking about. It looks very different. Um, and I think that that's really powerful. Absolutely. Okay, and what does the process entail um, when you do uh, decide that perhaps uh, an owner is ready to move forward? Is there any um, information you could share with our listeners sure. on that? Sure. So we, we usually connect, um, as Will was mentioning in an intro kind of meeting, and we really identify a lot about the practice. How many providers? What's the goal? the locations, what's your client look like? So we really are getting the nuanced understanding of, of the practice. And then from there, there's typically uh, an NDA, an exchange of financial information so that we really can have a, a bit more of a deliberate conversation of what this would look like, how we can support, how we think we can support and add value. And then from there, we, we typically look towards a letter of intent. So an agreed upon conversation about what we, we really thought, what we really think we can do. Um, and, and if that's you know, great on both sides of the, of the fence there, we move, move forward to what we call a due diligence period. And that's just a bit, a bit of a deeper dive of the information previously shared to get to that, that uh, letter of intent. And then from there, we, we move on to um, you know, the sale, the bill of sale, the underwriting, kind of the agreements. Um, and then from there, we do a really nice handoff. So it's, it's not a matter of, okay, it's sailed and, and kind of, again, hard stop and sw switch over. We, we make sure that the team feels um, heard and, and we can look you know, the team in the eye and, and understand who our operations team is, um, who our, our um, human resource, uh, people are, um, all the opportunities that we, we offer, which include um, CEs, compliance training. Um, we have a fantastic diversity, equity, and inclusion division. So opportunities with that as well, um, and, and really get everyone excited and kind of moving forward. I would just add to that. It's even from the initial conversation, you know, through due diligence, you know, up, up to closing, we're having an ongoing dialogue you know, with, with, the, with the other party to not only continue to learn more about the practice, and, but also to put, set ourselves up for the ultimate announcement and communication to the clinicians and to the staff. Because for both parties, that is the most important element to all of this. Um, and we want to make sure that it's communicated well in the right way and that the values really articulated to them because oftentimes they, they, they don't know and they, they're gonna be a deer in the headlights when they first hear it and need the reassurances that you know, this is a benefit for you. Um, and you know, not only you know, financially, but 
you know, also for all the other opportunities that this brings to them and to the practice. Um, and, and then what that, you know, what the, the former owner is going to be doing, you know, post-closing. And maybe that's, maybe that's a very similar role that they're doing today. And now they have the resources and the platform to do it. Um, and other times, you know, they may modify their role. Maybe they want to do, you know, a little bit more clinical than they used to. And, and, or maybe they, you know, are looking to do something even larger with, you know, with our, with our leadership team nationally, you know, something that they're doing special that they, um, you know, want to, you know, educate other practice leaders um, and, and others in our organization. So tons of different, you know, varieties there, but, you know, just getting that, that, you know, that communication. So there's a smooth transition and, um, and works for both parties. You know, one of the, the big trends I've been seeing uh, is this, this talk about shared risk and t shared costs with regard to insurance companies. Uh, and I think that's uh, off the radar of a lot of individuals. And I've been bringing this up from uh, podcast to podcast. Can you guys speak to what you've been hearing from the national uh, insurances about shared risk and, and, uh, and how that, that's been going to be impacting presently and moving forward five, three, five years from now? Yeah. It's certainly a new concept. I'd say we're, you know, we're in the first inning to use the baseball analogy that way. And I think a lot of, you know, talk about, you know, um, you know maybe, you know, 10 person practice, you know, that, that that's not even on their radar or a consideration set. They're, you know, they're, they're working, kind of moving their practice along. You know, I think it's, it's something that, um, you know, the, obviously the insurance companies are, are interested in it. And I think larger groups are now, you know, able to, um, you know, to have these conversations and, um, and, and, you know, look into them. And, and it, just by, by the nature of its name, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's risk, you know, on, on both sides. So both groups have to be, you know, confident in this. And, you know, we see it, you know, oftentimes in the, um, in the, you know, primary care integration side, you know, as, as well. Um, so, and certain payers are at different stages with it too, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a newer concept. We're starting to see it more and more and come up in conversations. Anya, I don't know if you have anything to add. No, I think it's, it's well said. And, and I think you bring up another great trend is that the behavioral integration piece, which I'm really proud of, of the efforts and the focus that Refresh is bringing to, to that front. Uh, I think it's needed. It's been long awaited. We're, we're leaps and, and bounds. We're, we're, we're far off from where it needs to be, but we are certainly um, putting our efforts there. Uh, primary care physicians, making that ease and that, that fluid conversation between mental health and, and healthcare um, as a whole. Uh, we were, were fortunate to be able to, to have some conversation around that, have some success, particularly in the East Coast market. We're in late conversation with a lot of other groups out here as well. Um, and, and I'm excited to see where that takes off and, and how that impacts, impacts insurance and payers overall. And where can our listeners learn more about Refresh Mental Health? Well, one place they could start is our, is our website. It's www.refreshmh, as in mentalhealth.com. And there's a, uh, there's a join, our, join Our Practice tab on there. And it, there's a specific you know, web page um, that, that talks about selling the practice and some of the considerations. 
Um, they can also reach us at the development at refreshmentalhealth.com. Um, and, you know, that, that from the website, they'll be able to find a way to connect with us and, and to facilitate, you know, an, an introductory conversation just and I would add, just reach out to one of us. We are always, I, I love, you know, what I do. I love connecting with practice owners and understanding their mission, um, how they came to be, where their kind of weak pain points are. And, and, and I, I love that. So having conversations with myself, with Will, find us on LinkedIn, just connect with us. We, we are always open. Um, I, oftentimes I, I lead a conversation by saying, this is a dialogue. There's no harm in having a long-term conversation. I know that Will's had some groups where he's had years of conversations with. There's, there's not a, a pressure. There's not a, a time frame that we're, we're beholden to. We're really looking to explore conversations. So reach out. Yeah, that's wonderful information for our listeners. Like you had indicated, um, there is no, no hurt in having a, a first conversation or learning a little bit more. So um, that's all great information uh, to definitely leave with today um, for our listeners who joined us. Um, well, I want to thank both of you so much um, for joining us here today. It was a great topic that we were excited to shed some light on, something that may not be on some practice owners' radars, um, but important nonetheless. So we'll be sure to um, include your um, web addresses in the tags here on our podcast, as well as more information uh, where they can both find um, both of you to connect directly. So thank you so much for taking the, the time today to be with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. And to our listeners of The Barrier Breakdown, thank you so much for being here with us this week. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Cognitive Behavior Institute, on our website, www.cbicenterforeducation.com, where we have low-cost, robust continuing education events, as well as our Facebook page, Cognitive Behavior Institute and Cognitive Behavior CBI Center for Education. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us today, this week. And as always, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd be most, most appreciative so that other listeners uh, can certainly find us as well. We hope everyone stays safe and healthy and we will be in touch next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast. Check out our website at cbicenterforeducation.com for more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events.